This is Landed, a podcast that gives you insider tips on international business expansion. Want to grow your business in a new country? This is a great place to start. It doesn't matter whether you are planning on international expansion today, next year, or a decade from now. The things you learn from this show will be invaluable. That's the goal, anyway. My name is Eamon O'Flynn. I work at Waterloo EDC. Our organization helps companies from all over the world land in Waterloo, Canada. No matter which industry you work in, you've heard of some of our clients. There's SAP, Toyota, Masterclass, Beckoff Automation, and more. In the last five years, we've attracted more than $1 billion in new business investment into our community, which means we have access to dozens of top business leaders who have direct experience with growing their company through expansion. We also have some of the best partners in the business, including immigration lawyers, recruiters, site selectors, and other expansion experts. Each episode of Landed will tackle a different aspect of international business expansion. We'll talk to business leaders about their experiences making the expansion decision, setting up a new office, and more. We'll also ask experts to share best practices for everything from finding a local lead to tapping into Canada's immigration programs. If you have questions afterward, just reach out. We're happy to help with no strings attached. If you decide you want to explore expansion in Waterloo, Canada, we'll be your partner every step of the way for free. Enough sales talk. Let's get to our first episode, which really sets the stage for the rest of this podcast. Today, we're speaking with Ryan Morris. Ryan is the CEO of Turntide Technologies, a company headquartered in Sunnyvale, California, that develops breakthrough technologies to accelerate electrification and sustainable operations in energy-intensive industries. He's also the president of Mason Capital Partners, LLC, and the founder of Belishka, a company that makes plant-based keto energy bars. He is a graduate of Cornell University's engineering program and is originally from Toronto. Turntide has expanded all over the world, including a new office in Waterloo, and we're hoping Ryan can give us an idea of the considerations that companies like his need to take when they decide to grow in a new location. Let's chat with Ryan. The first thing I'd like to do is really define Turntide Technologies you know, we, uh, I, I kind of just went through the developed breakthrough technologies to accelerate electrification and sustainable operations, but that's a bit of a mouthful. So let's have it from in, in your words. We have listeners working in manufacturing technology, auto tech, the full gamut. So where does Turntide fit? Uh, so the, the start of Turntide, the seed of it was really around this unique electric motor technology called a switched reluctance motor. So if you look at what moves civilization, half the electricity in the entire world goes into electric motors. It's like a trillion dollars of electricity, uh, usually behind the scenes that so people don't think about them too much. Nikola Tesla invented the AC induction motor in 1888, and that's what's behind like 90% of motors out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, electric vehicles are obviously front and center at the future of that, replacing all these uh, fossil fuel driven engines today with uh, electric driven powertrains, you know, with batteries and, and motors. Um, the, the challenge has been in order to do uh, better, higher efficiency, uh, you've pretty much historically always needed permanent magnets, especially rare earth permanent magnets that are quite expensive, environmentally destructive to mine. And it turns out China controls like 95% of them in the entire world. Problematic. Yes. Uh, so switch reluctance is a unique technology that really doesn't, doesn't use any rare earth magnets. It's uh, a technology I learned about about eight years ago while working in electric vehicle technology. And 
it's kind of this interesting substituting raw material for software and compute complexity. And I have a computer science background. And so I'm always kind of sniffing out things. Where can you have kind of a larger compute or information component, attach yourself to the freight train of Moore's law. And so the core seed of it was this really unique technology. It took like 10 years to develop. It spun out of university in, in 2007 is unique, uh, called a high rotor pulse, which reluctance is the most efficient form of this technology. And, you know, we sort of took the view that, Hey, there's this big need very broadly, uh, for more efficient and intelligent motor driven systems. And so we've taken this core technology around the electric motors, and we're taking that into different, different verticals, different applications. Uh, and I, you know, I can get into some of the different areas, but, you know, commercial HVAC is, is a massive footprint. Uh, again, you don't think about it so much, but fans, motors driving fans is like three times more energy than all of lighting, you know, in wow. total. and, uh, obviously electric vehicles are on the other end of that spectrum as being kind of like a newer application, but you know, pretty much anything that moves a lot, a lot of HVAC, a lot of ventilation applications, big energy consumers. So you're basically all over what I just said, the manufacturing technology, auto tech, you're kind of right at, right in the center point of a, a whole bunch of different, uh, pieces. It's a pretty fundamental technology that that cuts across all of those. So yeah, we're um, you know we're trying to be more of a system subsystem provider in the case of vehicles. You know, giving giving tools to help lots of different areas decarbonize faster. You know, while using you know fewer scarce raw materials. That's awesome. Uh, in many ways, I think Turntide is a perfect company for us to kick off this podcast because you have employees all over the world, and if I've counted correctly, nearly ten locations. Yeah, might might have gotten up there. <laughs> yeah, we have a small team in well, we say all all over the world, but yeah, I mean, uh, U.S., Canada, India. We have a small team, uh, and then U.K. We have a pretty big team. Mm -hmm. uh, California is a starting point, though, for so many companies. So I'm wondering what uh, what makes you look further afield when your company is growing. So it's kind of a more of a two part question. First, why not just expand in California? And second, what drives the decision to expand elsewhere, or is it always something different? Yeah, I would say it's situation dependent. I mean, we wanted, so part of it with Waterloo is a bit of an interesting history with me because the team that we have there actually was with me at a previous company. Um, so we kind of hired them a couple of, starting a couple of years ago that I had worked with previously, including Richard Hillinga, who, uh, who you spoke to. Um, so that was kind of a, you know, Hey, we, we know these people very well. They're very smart, really great talent center in Waterloo in particular. Uh, I mean, I'm from Toronto, so I you know, kind of, pretty familiar with the area and you guys are like the, uh, I, I sort of, I always joke, I'm Canadian. So I always joke, you know, Canadians are a lot, uh, less, less fussy than the Silicon Valley types, <laughs> you know, easier <laughs> to manage, but, uh, less prima donnas, uh, you know, Cal I mean, California is really great. I live, I live here in the Bay area, but it's also just massively more, it's, I mean, a bunch of reasons, like it's massively more competitive, you know, talent wise. So I think the average job tenure is like two years in the Bay area. And, Mm -hmm. You know, we're doing, we're doing things that are definitely like multi-year, multi-decade, hopefully, like we're trying to, you know, go really reshape some very large industries. It's going to take quite a long time. It's not just kind of a, you know, a short-term flip company kind of a project. Um, and then there's a lot of things where you want to be closer to your customers. So, so in our case, we're doing very specialized, deep technical uh, talent around power electronics, electric motors, and those tend to be talent pockets that are, you know, geographically spread out. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we have a big agriculture uh, application set actually. So we're based in Wisconsin for that, as you might expect, you know, being, being kind of in the heartland. And, 
yeah, so it's really, it, this started actually in my previous company doing electric vehicle power electronics. And, you know, it's such, there's certain very scarce talent sets that you uh, kind of want to build around. It's, it's very hard to get everybody to move to, you know, that. Actually, I know like Tesla, for example, they have a big office in Greece because there's like a big power electronics talent <laughs> hub in Greece. And so they built an office there. They they couldn't get all those people to leave their wonderful Mediterranean lifestyles to well, of know, course. California. Why would they? Yeah. <laughs> So what, uh, this, you kind of got, got to this a little bit, but what drives a, an international expansion? So what well, I like kind of the point or the question I'm kind of getting at is when is it kind of flip flicker into your mind that, you know what, we need, we need a new location. We need something else. Like, is there something specific happen or is it just kind of a natural, a natural progression of, okay, you know, we're, we're running out of, or we're, it's too hard or, or the competition is, is too fierce to get talent in this place or that place, or we need this very specific. You know, like, is there, is there a, a point where it kind of flips and like, this is, this is the solution for us? Yeah, it's been really people driven. So, you know, our recruiting process, I would say is not location dependent. And so you kind of start seeing if you, if you have some global recruiting efforts um, or countrywide recruiting efforts, like where are you seeing some of the, the pockets of, you know, the right kind of skills. And so again, in Waterloo, it was really people driven, um, you know, we have we have a, a team that's up in the northwest, the north of Seattle, and that was driven by, you know, we had a couple leaders there and there was kind of a thesis of it was like just slightly too far to commute for people who work at Amazon. <laughs> Otherwise, who sucks up all the talent, Microsoft and Amazon are obviously big talent, talent hubs in Seattle area. So, yeah, I would say it's really people and, and talent driven uh, more than anything. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's lots of other sub considerations like cost of living and sort of ease of doing business, but the biggest things are people. So you, uh, as a leader, you've decided that expansion is the best option for, you know, for talent or um, to keep the company growing. What happens first? So do you, do you have to sell the idea to other senior leaders? Do you have to bring this to investors or board members? Like what's, what, what tends to happen first at a company like Turntide? Uh, We're pretty bottoms up driven when it comes to finding. So, I mean, whoever the talent, like, you, you need to base it generally around leadership. So uh, it would be hard. We do have some fully remote teams. So for pure software, you know, those those guys are all over the place and can work pretty effectively remotely and travel occasionally. For anything involving hardware, you know, you really do need like a critical mass cluster for people to be all around the same, you know, mm -hmm. dyno bench circuit boards kind of physical stuff. Like that doesn't, that does not work. Uh, to develop those things fully remotely. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I would say like it, it started around the leadership. So, you know, either somebody directly reporting to me, like a, you know, CTO kind of level person um, or kind of a, a senior director, VP engineering level, uh, you know, I would say it, it, you need that uh, center for a critical mass to kind of build around, partly because that leader is going to be doing the recruiting for their mm -hmm. team as well. So um, if you're, if you're going to kind of build a pocket. So we've taken, we've taken the approach. I mean, as much as, you know, in some ways I would love if we're all under, you know, one big roof, but just practically you can't, uh, you, you can't do that just because the, the specialized requirements are spread over, but really trying to get those, those clusters where you have enough, uh, for teams to really, you know, build up in certain locations, starting at the hiring manager level, basically to your question. Let's take a quick step back from our chat with Ryan. He has brought up the importance of talent and leadership a few times, especially when starting a new office. 
Given our organization's focus on helping companies grow in our community, talent and leadership are top of mind for the Waterloo EDC team. I thought it'd make some sense to ask Aaron D'Alessandro, Waterloo EDC's Director of Business Development Client Services, a bit more about this. Is building a new team around a leadership hire an approach that Waterloo EDC recommends? Let's hear from Aaron. We always recommend that a company, when they're expanding, hires a local lead, and we do this for a few different reasons. One, it really helps the company establish themselves quicker into the community um, and really integrate them into the ecosystem. When you're looking at starting a new operation, uh, you want to make sure that you're hiring the right talent, you're finding the, the help that you need in a community, and a local leader knows where to go. They know the talent landscape. They understand where to source talent from. They're integrated into the schools, probably from previous experiences, and it really helps hiring and it really helps making sure that the, the company's on the right growth trajectory and they're hitting their targets. Uh, we also recommend that they hire a local lead because you know we have an ecosystem here that really is supportive of companies growing and we wanna make sure that these companies are aware of what these different partners are. If you have a new person to the community, it takes some time to understand where to go. It takes some time to understand what partners can help them with what. If you hire someone from the local community, they know these already. They've lived here. They've been here. They probably leveraged them in previous positions. We've definitely seen companies succeed with this approach. Uh, it's it's kind of, it's pretty common actually in Waterloo Region. Uh, a lot of the companies that have come here do leverage the local talent. One of the reasons they come here is because of the local talent. So it does make sense to hire somebody from the community to kickstart your your operations here. Uh, for example, um, Enlighted, when they landed here from California, uh, they hired a local lead. Masterclass is another company that also hired local leads to run. Uh, and Turntide is another company that, that leveraged the local community to have their lead. Thanks, Aaron. Now back to our chat with Ryan. We've heard from some companies that are venture funded uh, that were encouraged to find either less expensive locations to grow or expand or locations with with, you know, less competition for talent. The idea being that it can provide a little bit more runway for a scaling company that's just raised a whole bunch of money. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I uh, I guess I can see why you'd look at that. I mean, the most important thing is to get the right the right people. I mean, if you have two resumes of identically skilled people and it's Mm -hmm. double the cost uh you know i i can imagine that's like a you know that's a key decision there's there's a lot of other factors beyond just cost i think companies yeah. that you know frankly i think a lot of this is sort of a philosophical thing but a lot of why we're seeing a lot of these supply chain disruptions and you know offshoring and everything was because of short-sightedness when it came to like let's just go for the lowest price you know labor yeah. or offshore or something but there's a lot you know it's certainly a factor but there's there's a lot of other considerations uh, in general. What we're trying to do is solve really hard problems that are in a new, you know, frontier. So you're going for kind of the highest quality, um, you know, more than anything like time is our scarcest resource. Once, uh, once the decision has been made to, to expand somewhere else, how do you, how do you land on, uh, on location? So I know you've talked a little bit about, it. sometimes it's, it's just, uh, it's a thing that just happens almost organically. You have, you have people you want to work with, you've got team members, you have people who you're recruiting from, from a specific area, but, uh, do you, do you get help with this kind of thing? Or is it something like, do you, is it something you do internally? Do you work with, you know, other consultants or site selectors, that type of thing, um, to, to find, cause you know, to, to a degree, uh, whether it's Waterloo or it's, um, it's, is it Newcastle upon time? Is that, 
That's uh, yeah, that you, region. So how do you how do you land on a place like that? Like, what's is that just a, again a talent thing, and you've you found a leader that you you really believe in? Uh, yeah, in those particular areas, that was the initial thing that drove it. In terms of getting, you know, an office and a site. Uh, I mean, yeah, I uh, we we have our people team leaders who work with the you know the overall um, you know team leaders for that to to spec out what you need. I mean, in our case, we need some pretty high voltage, high current stuff because we're doing you know motors and. Mm-hmm. High power physical things, so that definitely narrows. You know, you can't do that. We work uh, <laughs> shared shared office space with yes four thousand amp uh, cables or something. But uh, yeah, so there's you know that definitely limits it a little bit. Yeah, I mean there's there's definitely support available. I uh, we have a big facility. The biggest one that we grew kind of from the ground up, like we built a facility partnership with a project developer, um, property developer in Wisconsin, and that was like a fifteen million dollar construction project. You know, we we partnered with the town in that case. So there's, you know, it's kind of a not super high employment area. It's a relatively small town. And so, yeah, we partnered with them to utilize land that would otherwise really not be that utilized and, you know, partner with a property developer to go build it. It was, it was a pretty big project, um, but, you know, definitely brought a lot of employment in that case and mm-hmm. more high tech work to the to the area. I mean, you know, we're still we're small. We're not like a. I don't know Foxconn coming in and bringing like fifty thousand jobs or something, but you know it's the mini mini micro version of that. Well, small enough community. It's it, that's the, the other thing, right? Is is it doesn't need to be fifty thousand jobs to, to to transform a community. Mm-hmm. What hurdles have you ever run into into big barriers in terms? Of, I mean, obviously, I believe the the Waterloo office. I think you you guys made the decision either right at the start of the pandemic or really close to the start of the pandemic to to open an office here in Waterloo. But uh, just generally, when you're expanding um, internationally, what uh, what or not even internationally, just outside of your your home base, what are the hurdles that you you normally come up against? Uh, I mean, I just think the biggest hurdle is to to have somebody, you know, the initial core team to have good leadership that you that you really trust because you know they are. You know, it's not somewhere that I can go and and visit, uh, you know, day to day and sort of hold a, have a handle on things. So, you know, really making it. I think in general, people relate to the companies and their company's missions, but they more than anything relate to their team and the people around them day to day. And so just really making sure that that dynamic where you have, you know, good leadership, good, consistent culture, you know, to, to what we're doing back home. I mean, we have a really big, uh, you know, kind of bottoms up empowering individual, individual growth kind of a culture um, built on principles and, and empowerment. So, you know, just making sure that that that's consistent and then people still feel like a connection back to turn time but then you know within their team they have everything they need uh, so i think i've taken pretty much enough of, of your time uh, i do have one last question though before we sign off so sure. if you had to give other business leaders advice on international expansion like how to do it whether to do it whatever you want what would that advice be oh uh, that's a good question uh yeah, I just think that the biggest thing is to have a leader that you really trust. I mean, you're going to be time zones away uh, or maybe different languages away from from those people. So kind of seeding, seeding those locations with with really, really high trust people at the beginning. I mean, that's um, doubly important, I think, for when you're in a different country, especially or different, you know, somewhere somewhere far away, um, you know, because otherwise you can just fragment into um it can be very taxing to try to uh micromanage something so far away so like you just you need to have that high trust leader to to seed it and Mm -hmm. 
and go from there. Yeah, it's a very. Um, I, I can tell you can tell you're Canadian because it's a, because of the, how humble you are about when I say it around the world. And you're like, well, we're in India and in the UK and also in in the United States and, and in Canada. Um, you know, they, they used to say the sun never sets on the British Empire, and I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure the sun actually wouldn't set completely on Turntide Technologies at any point. Yeah, given nothing day. in the southern hemisphere, but yeah. <laughs> That's all for today. Is your company interested in expanding to Canada? Our team is always available for a no-strings chat with business leaders looking for information about immigration, government incentives and tax credits, expansion data, talent acquisition, and more. Enjoy the show? Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. You can also subscribe on our website at waterlooedc.ca slash podcast or simply follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn at WaterlooEDC. Until next time, goodbye from Waterloo.